Uh, ladies and gentlemen, friends, neighbors, comrades, non-binary associates, and everybody else who I've forgotten to mention in my little thing here. Uh, we usually we kind of start out with like, oh, jokey joke, cute stories and stuff. Like, as I'm, as a, uh, we're gonna join the group of people going. This is not a time for uh, messing around because, like, the last thing I want to do is is treat this like it is some. I don't want to try and commodify an international conflict for my own. Uh, like benefit I'm not trying to like farm retweet I keep thinking like what title can we possibly give this particular episode because I don't want to go too goofy clickbaity because it seems like you're not taking it seriously but you do want people to still listen to it the title of this episode is just gonna be propaganda during war I want an inflammatory title because I want people uh, especially the people who are just like blindly retweet pepper coyote is a fascist now to like actually listen to the things that I've said and it's like should I attempt to bait no, those people no. to listen to it twist, and probably do you the can't thing? twist people's arms you can't twist the knife unless they're already here listeners realize as i am talking here i am acknowledging that everything i am coming up with like all, all, any points you're hearing from me we're like wow that contradicts what i've heard uh, in my day-to-day -day news this all could be propaganda i and every marxist leninist group around the world all the, the international communist community could all be either knowing or unknowing puppets of the russian government right now we could all be thoroughly tricked None of us are immune to propaganda, including uh, the people who are listening to this. This is intended to be a good faith discussion. I am not a Russian agent. I am not being paid by Russia. No one, like, I haven't been like, oh, the KGB swooped in and, like, they have Pepper's family tied up in the other room or whatever. And I certainly have no love for Vladimir Putin. I am not asking you to, like, believe me, because that would imply that I had some kind of conclusion for you to believe. I have no claims to make. I want you to hear about events that have provably happened and are suspiciously absent from the mainstream news. Uh, people, it seems that some people who get bombed get on the news. Other people who get bombed they don't really give a shit about them. And that is not like a new pattern if you've been paying attention to That's US and Western ongoing. media. That's been ongoing. If you grow up yeah. in the United States and you have been conscious, there has been some kind of conflict or war going on in the entire world. Most that us that we talk about is Israel and Palestine. And gee golly, how the tune of that has changed during my active lifetime. At the very least, even if you think everything I say is horseshit and uh, you still want to entirely go along with the CNN narrative, at the very least, I want you to see all of the people in Ukraine as people, both the west side of it and the east side of it. It is extremely unlikely that the entirety of eastern Ukraine uh, is is all Russian soldiers. Like, oh, the only people in the entire half of the country are Russian soldiers. Uh People live there. Children live there. People who you would, I'm sure, uh, empathize and sympathize with greatly if you had any access to, like, what the fuck is happening with them. <laughs> so, um, I want to, uh, let's, let's approach this in a couple of ways here. I want to present what I have, uh, I have, like, there's two, essentially two versions of what's going on. And a lot of the actual facts are not dispute. Like, people will recognize, yes, that event happened, but their interpretation of it, like, why it happened, that that's where you end up in the, these big differences here. So I want to, like, present my, uh, an extremely, a very overview, not even 101, because that implies I have deeper knowledge than 101. I want to do a very brief, like, historical summary that makes sense to me as to how we get to the situation that we're in right now with Ukraine. So we have World War II. The world gets split up afterwards. You get the USSR, and then you get, like, what we call today, like, the free world, the West, like, America. The EU starts forming, like, Western Europe. We all kind of, like, we, we you, you, the lines are set, and, yeah, the, the world is divided. <laughs> 
You have West and East, especially in Ukraine. Like, Ukraine, after the fall of the USSR, like, as far as, from what I've gathered, Ukraine has never, is not like a distinct, we've been this one country, like, it kind of got created by the USSR, like, back in the day, and like, certain chunks were cut. It's a lot of, like, arbitrary lines drawn on maps around where real people have lived for a long, long time. But you end up with uh, two halves of Ukraine kind of feeling differently about how World War II ended. You get people on the East who are a bit more sympathetic with Russia and like, oh, yeah, we benefited under USSR. We had all these policies that, uh, oh, my grandpa got free housing, whatever. And then you have people on the West who are more in line with Europe and more inclined to whatever European liberal values <laughs> mean. Like they're more sympathetic to the West. They want to join the EU and stuff like that. Uh, just to make that a little bit more clear two notes uh when we talk about east and west we're literally not talking about half the country uh my understanding is the eastern portion is like 30 percent of the population at most and even that could be wildly wrong and additionally those eastern populations culturally are more historically russian insofar as their language is different than the west so it's not just like arbitrary dividing lines there is historical cultural differences similar to in india for example you could drive four hours in a direction and a different portion of india are speaking a different language whereas in the united states it's just another state with a slightly different accent we are talking about things that you know like geography that is different than what you, one gets used to in the continental united states from what I've heard, the USSR even actively like encouraged people, hey, move to the Donbass region, go to Ukraine, we opened this new big-ass military base in Crimea, come out here, help develop this region, like we're going to pump, get this industry going and stuff like that. So like after the fall of the USSR, not everyone just up and then moved back to the other side of the imaginary line that Russia drew, that the USSR drew, into modern back into modern-day Russia in the 90s. Uh, a lot of them just still live there. So that's going to the, the divide that uh, Dragor saying, uh, was just describing. Not even necessarily a divide, just different. <laughs> it's it's yeah, just cultural. people. They're, it's different cultures and people. So for a long time, uh, up until about 2014, there were, like, they have a, a they, you know... It's democracy. They vote in their president. Some of uh, some of the presidents were more pro West. Some of the presidents were more pro East. There was a remember in 2014. If I say in 2014 there was a coup, people will say, "Oh, you're framing that incorrectly." But bear with me for a second. Uh, coincidentally, right as soon as a president, they were like, "Hey." Current president of Ukraine, we think it would be a great idea if you joined NATO. We have this uh, defense treaty going on. We want to get you more integrated into the West. Maybe you should join NATO. And Russia's like, maybe you should join Russia. And uh, the president in 2014 was like, ah, I think I am leaning more Russia. And it seems to line up that right when Ukraine was turning away from joining NATO, uh, forces sympathetic to NATO kind of sort of did a destabilization of Ukraine, got the one president out who was elected, and then, oh, wow, this new president is very pro-West and pro-NATO. Coincidence? <laughs> Coincidence? Russian propaganda I've absorbed? Is there a gun to my head right now? Who knows? But it can also be true that those efforts were underway and the people of Ukraine were going to vote that way anyway. And as time goes on, that sure seems to be what was going to happen. It is coincidentally when the Azov Battalion got, like, recognized in the official military and suddenly, like, Nazis were tolerable, <laughs> uh, at least to a degree in which you're allowed to have an entire 
a party or military with at least a thousand people in it just wear SS patches openly and then have people like CNN like tw- tweet pictures of them. Oh, our brave soldiers. And then people are like, what's that patch mean? <laughs> Good uh, job, also, everyone. Keep pointed out. This, this, this recording especially is going to come with so many asterisks. Uh, so when we say tolerating Nazis or tolerating the battalion, in no way are we speaking about the people of Ukraine because they, for the most part, don't exactly get a say in that, in the same way that uh, we have at home Biden saying the answer is not defund the police, spend more money on the police. The majority of Americans don't want that. We want health care. So, like, a big problem of how we even got to a lot of, or at least when I say we in particular, you, Pepper, is people... I unintentionally or intentionally taking what you're saying is some kind of judgment on the people there. And in no way are we doing that. It's the key of government. And if we were like all smart enough to understand that when America goes and bombs Iraq and we're all like not down with it. And if the people of Iraq can go, yeah, like your government's shitty, but the general population of America, we do not hate. Like if they can do that, I think we could probably uh, do the same kind of thing here and make that separation. I'm talking about the key of government and the military and the actions they are taking. I, I'm not implying that, oh, all of Western Ukraine got together and voted that they love Nazis now. Like, no, that's not what happened. Or even <laughs> that government, which we, as we all know, every state entity is at the very least flawed in some way, we don't know the political consequences of, ah, if we eradicate this overnight, what is the consequence of that? Like, we're not studied and local of even recent years Ukrainian politics. So anyway, all this goes down, 2014, shake up in the government. Uh, in response to this, people in the Donbass region, these separatist regions that you keep hearing about on the news today, they uh, form in response to that, like, you know, we don't like what you're doing. We want to become our own separate countries uh, and or become under control. It wasn't even like, it wasn't even we want to go rejoin Russia. It's they want to be independent territory. They are separatist territories. You have the LPR and the DPR, the, what is it, Luhansk People's Republic and the Donetsk and Donetsk. Almost definitely pronouncing them wrong. Apologies for the pronunciations. Yeah, exactly. But hey, so obviously the Kiev Western uh, Western Ukrainian government does not like this. And uh, depending on who you ask, either the separatist regions attack the West and the West retaliates, or the West is mad at the separatists for trying to separate and they attack them uh, and attempt to bomb them into like rejoining them. There is a thing signed called the Minsk Accords to stop this. <laughs> it's an agreement signed by East and West of Ukraine, like the separatist people and the Kiev government, that we will all leave each other alone. We will not bomb you. You will not bomb us. We will not sabotage each other. All of those types of things. This is uh, completely ignored. <laughs> like, there has not been a ceasefire for the last eight years. There's been constant violence. Uh, I don't want to say violence on both sides, but there, I mean, I'm sh- there is, on a literal level, yes, there is violence on both sides. But uh, numbers I'm hearing, 14,000 East Ukrainians killed, like, up to. And these numbers are so fucking shaky. Like, I don't know, how close is that? I know that it's a lot more than zero. There, you can easily pull up pictures of, hey, here's the memorial to all of the children killed in the Donbass region over the last eight years so in particular uh i want to call i want to focus on that because i've been trying to dig more into that and this is where i started to really question how different is the propaganda we're facing uh in our discord chat in particular a thing to keep in mind when we're addressing this is uh propaganda is incredibly contextually relevant what do i mean by that 
anyone here in the United States living under it, uh, we are much more adept and proficient at identifying what might be propaganda as soon as it lands. Because the truth is, especially during wartime, uh, there is no there is no such thing as a fact. A fact is only something you can verify later. There is information that is unverified and comes with bias and might be maliciously done so. Uh, we can look at American media as having lived for it. You know, I just turned 36, so I've got a lot of experience being subjected to American propaganda. And I can work with it and identify all of the nuance way better. We are none of us. None of us in this chat, or really most anyone I have talked to that speaks English in the United States, has any level of recognition of that for Ukrainian and or Russian propaganda. And that's true of just about every conflict all over the world. Look how long it took us to figure out a lot of the Iraq stuff. Look how long it continues to take us to figure out the Israel and Palestine stuff. Uh, so back to that picture, I keep seeing that same picture. It is never a variety. There's nothing additive to it. It's practically a meme at this point, and that starts to become uh, a red flag. So that does not mean there aren't a a there isn't a memorial of dead children from this conflict, and of course that's horrible. But gee golly, it sure increasingly to me seems to be an incredibly weaponized piece of propaganda that started from a kernel of truth, and I can't make a judgment on it anymore. I have I do not have the tools for this. That's what I mean. Like, what is the kernel of truth in there? Because if, if the kernel of truth is, yeah, they really did kill a shit ton of kids. Like, that's that's more than a kernel. And my complaint is that we hear nothing from that group of people. And that's in, and we know that that's intentional. Like, you know that there, there are people there. They have stories. They have events that have happened to them. They do not make it to us. I listen to NPR in the car constantly. I hear interviews with people from Kiev, with business owners who have fled to Poland constantly. I have heard jack shit from anybody in the east of Ukraine, and it's to a suspicious level. Yep. So it's not that I know the truth. I want. I have nothing to even start basing what the fuck the truth might even be on because I am only. We are intentionally given one side of this. Just like you couldn't. Find, I'm. I'm gonna. I'm staying away from the Palestine stuff because I have without. Like this is later in my section. We're gonna talk about that for at least a second. So I'm not gonna get ahead of myself. So anyway, Mince Accords completely ignored. And if you ask Russia, this is what they've been consistently putting out. They hung out for eight years watching the Minsk Accords be violated. Then last week, Russia quickly goes, all right, LPR and DPR, separatist regions, we are recognizing you as countries. Next day, military offensive begins that they say is for the purpose of defending the LPR and DPR. And then that contradiction comes into full view when it's a full country invasion. So the action the immediate action directly contradicts the narrative. It, in, a, in, in the worst way possible, it makes our desires of, I want to know about the innocent humans regardless of any fucking team, right? If people are dying and being shelled, I don't care who's necessarily doing the shelling. I, want, I don't want people to die. So just to focus what we're talking about... I wanted to go. Th I wanted to go through the things, essentially what I just said, and then acknowledge what the 
I don't want to derogatorily say like what was the CNN version of this like what is the generally accepted like what is the West answer to the things that I just said because they do exist so like what does the West say about the 2014 coup well what I am calling the 2014 coup I mean at this point I am I absolutely would not call it a coup and I would encourage you to not call it a coup because we don't even have enough information for it of course there was meddling but like Oh no! Well, okay. there was, they will call it a revolution. The West would say no; they revolted against their government. And I would, and uh, uh, the, the international communist community would say that uh, they voted for a guy. The guy did something they did not that the U.S. and or the Greater West did not like, and then moves happened, and that guy's gone. So if that's like okay, maybe not coup, but whatever that whole sentence I just said that happened. <laughs> It's too, there's too much history and context required where I can't call it either. Oh, the other one at the same time uh, that people have definitely heard about, uh, Crimea. Was Crimea taken over, annexed by Russia against the will of the people who live in Crimea and against the will of the Western Ukrainian Kiev government? Or did they democratically secede after taking a vote? Because the vote did happen. The fact that the vote happened is not disputed. What is disputed is what level of Russian influence was there over the election and then if you zoom out and go, okay, Crimea is has a, a massive Russian military base on it, which has been there for a long, long time. Uh, every most of the, a lot of the people who live in that region materially benefit from that Russian military base, and that Russian military base would absolutely be gone if uh, they had voted to stay in Ukraine or to stay under uh, Western Ukrainian control, and. Crimea is not even like, they didn't just redraw the Russia line around Crimea. It is now like its own thing, which is governed by the Russian Federation, but not like a Russian colony. Like, does that make sense? I know that sounds like a, a like contradictions I've just said. How, and again, this is my, I am at this point, I, I am no expert. I am a human on earth looking at a conflict across the world that has wide reaching impact. How similar is the state of Crimea to Puerto Rico or one of the other United States-owned things or one of the British-owned things, right? It doesn't seem to be being, like, just pumped for resources. Like, when people talk about imperialism, they they definitely notice the, like, country doing something to another sovereign territory part. But the important ingredient that gets left out is, like, no, it's it's but it's for the purpose of monopoly capitalism and, like, economic warfare. Like, are they taking over Crimea so they can monopolize their banks and, like, remove the and, yeah, extract resources from them in the same way that we do with, uh, well, American Samoa is mostly for the for having a weapons closer to japan <laughs> but you know we t the u.s takes over territories so they can have its shit puerto rico we've just piled a hilarious amount of debt on because we want a, like a, a big ass colony of uh people who owe us money i guess so in revert reserve labor force all these other things but then when things happen to it we saw like how well the u.s dealt with puerto rican disasters which is just, we don't because <laughs> it's like ah we don't legally have to take care of you whatever <laughs> like I cannot say definitely yes or no whether Crimea is a puppet state of the Russian government where it's just you live there and it's like fucking everyone wears the same clothes and everyone has to like kiss a picture of Putin every day and then they go to work. Like, I don't know, maybe that's what it's like in Crimea. I've heard not that from people who I believe. <laughs> yeah. Or it's all Russian propaganda that took over the thing. You know well, I mean? let, let's do another personal one. Uh, through a friend of mine who visited Ukraine years ago and has kept in contact with a lot of the people there. Uh, and again, this is a game of telephone, but uh, these are people that live in Kiev, and uh, I, I asked 
you know, to ask on behalf, like, all right, what do you think of the independence of the Donetsk and uh, Luhansk? God. Is it Luhansk or Lugansk? And I've, it's spelled anyway, with an H, but I anyway. hear people putting G's in it. Anyway, uh, and a lot of them throw around the term false flag. And that, the word, the term false flag being an American is a, is a smell on its own, but not Americans are saying it. And for all I know, there's a language translation there. So to a lot of people in Kiev, it wasn't saying there isn't anything going on with the separatists there, but people a lot closer to it, the Russian military presence and meddling and interference sure seems a lot higher than what any of the Russian propaganda will tell you. Uh, similar to the same way of what was what was the tune for a lot of the Iraq stuff? Uh, we'll be greeted as liberators, and then look at every. I'm not saying anything going on in Ukraine is the same as Iraq. I use Iraq as the big example because I was 15, 16 when all of that happened. I was roped in. I was part of the. Screw those protesters. We're we're stopping an evil dictator. What the fuck is wrong with you? And over the course of the next several years, it's, oh, oh, God. All right, yeah, the dictator, of course, was bad, but what we did fucked up a lot of stuff, and we, our United States presence there, got a shit ton of people killed. That's blood on the U.S. military's and our international policy's hands. And I lived through that propaganda, buying into it every single day. And so now, here we are again, and I'm sitting here going, of course Putin invading Ukraine is awful and disproportionate even to the propaganda he was saying. But the U.S. is also full-bore propaganda. So you have two superpowers lying constantly. That does not erase the awfulness that the people of Ukraine are going through. But I have my peers who were with me on, holy shit, the United States has a bad track record, and are going, we, we have to stop Putin at all costs. You can't say anything negative. If you're not against Putin, you're not with it. Like, what happened? If you're, you're either with us or you're with the terrorists. So this... To add uh, one further layer, I guess, the the LPR and DPR, unless this is all propaganda, are apparently being led by communist people. I, I don't, I can never, you can never say like, blah, blah is a communist region, because that implies like, a, like communism is a certain state and form of, ec it's a certain economic mode. And if you're not doing that economic mode, you're not really a communist nation, but your leaders could be communists, like you are led by, like that's how I would describe Cuba. I wouldn't describe Kama as a, Cuba as a communist nation, because it hasn't like achieved the specific economic things that make something communism, but they are led by people who are trying. <laughs> like they say they're communist, they're reading the books, they're going after the policy, like they're doing what they can. And the LPR and DPR I th are that, or at least that is what they are called by the international communist community. I keep saying that because the, the whole, the whole, our pers the perspective that Americans, Western people uh, have here, like that is not nearly as present when you go to the quote unquote bad regions of the world. Like if you look at accounts tweeting from the Middle East, Africa, like outside of the EU and uh, like magical white people land where we, uh, where we're all the heroes at all times, like it is not as unified of an opinion. <laughs> So how would the U.S. media apparatus operate 
if that was real, if if everything that I'm going after here is true, and these really are separatist, uh, pro-communist regimes, like <laughs> trying to get started off the ground here, what would they be painted as? Terrorists. It's exactly what we are seeing right now. Terrorists. That's why it's so frustrating and useless. Whether or not A or B is true, we know that the U.S. media apparatus would be doing exactly what it is doing right now. It's some boy who cried wolf shit. Yeah, uh, one of the things that surfaced, and uh, it's, I, I mean, just on a personal note, digging into propaganda, especially American propaganda, comes with shitloads of content warnings, and like I should have known, but I didn't. And there's one of the pictures from the United States of uh, an American soldier posing for a picture in front of a burned child corpse. Um, yeah, I. I saw that picture. I've seen a bunch of stuff over the years, and I have PTSD from some of it. And, like, I see that, and I know it happened. And we all factually know it happened and how much we have lied over the horrific things we do. And I'm told to just shut up and believe the U.S. and believe the U.S. military? I can't. I cannot do it. That does not erase that I think we should probably be supporting Ukraine at large. But when I say support Ukraine, I don't mean join NATO and be another part of capitalism and Western imperialism. They want to be sovereign. I want them to be sovereign. Uh, I, they want to rule their country their own way. I want them to as well. I'm not there. I'm not their people. But at the same time... I'm not giving carte blanche to, well, we want to be our own nation, and oh, by the way, uh, you can't be brown here. Well, no, that's that's factually bad. That's that's racism. You can't have the entirety of the Azov battalion, even if it's a small, call it one percent of their military. They're still openly wearing SS patches. The German that's military was not all SS members. That was a special group within. The, 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 the Nazi Germany army, you wouldn't go, oh, well, only some of the Nazis were SS officers. A lot of them were just regular Germans. You're like, what the fuck are we talking about? <laughs> we all say the like, if uh, if 10 liberals and one Nazi are hanging out and having a good time with each other, uh, 11 Nazis are hanging out and having a good time with each other. Like whatever that little like ant little joke line goes. Like, if you tolerate some Nazis in your club, you just have a Nazi club now. Like, it's not, oh, no, those are the Nazis over there. They all hang out. Uh, they don't bother us. We don't bother them. <laughs> you can't do that. That's not acceptable. And we all talk about how liberalism slides towards fascism, basically never towards communism. This seems like a big-ass example where it's like, well, you just got to do Nazis. That's how freedom works, baby. Like a fucking and, line from last week. And to be week. clear... Like, all right, let's say some peace agreement is signed and Russia backs out and UN and NATO leaves them alone and everything gets fixed up. What's the answer for dealing with the Azov Battalion? I don't know. Uh, I'm going to paint an example again from Iraq. So uh, one of the things we did when we went into Iraq was not just depose the dictator, uh, but we deposed all of the Ba'athists, all of the support. Uh, we did a zero-tolerance policy with regards to that. What does that mean? While the U.S. was there, 
Uh, and while we were trying to, you know, recreate structure, try and get election stuff going, things that are factually good that were attempted, even if we went about it completely fucking wrong, like, those are things that should be done and even more so. So one of the things that was a rule was for all of that new thing we were building there, if you were a Bathist, you could not be part of it. So if in any way, shape, or form in your life, for some reason or another, if you were coerced to doing something as a Bathist or face death to you and your family, all of a sudden you are now also ostracized for what comes next. And now you can't even make a choice. You are, you are locked out of doing anything for you and your family. That creates even more extremism, and that is exactly what happened when we were in Iraq. There are really two aspects to to this conflict, and I think two two sides of two sides of this, two parts of this that people are uh, talking about that get just kind of conflagrated all the time. So, if we there is the moral element, and then there is the the material element. Morally, war is always bad. I don't think I'm blowing anybody's mind or like causing an argument when I say morally, war is always bad. War is when you go, when people go to other people and kill them. Going into someone else's place to kill people is always morally wrong. That is separate from materially what is happening. If you do not like what is happening in Ukraine right now, it is not enough for you to stand there and go, I am support good guy over bad guy, because that is such an oversimplification as to not as to be less than useless. It just creates more cover for people who want to do bad material uh, things in there. What could actually have prevented or stopped or whatever this conflict? I would argue that the pressure in 2014 for Ukraine to join NATO, and not even just the pressure, the lack of a willingness to accept that they like weren't gonna. It's like, now nah, we think we actually might want to hang out with Russia or just kind of do our own thing. The fact that that was unacceptable to the inter to international capitalists, to the global monopoly capitalism that forms the American empire in which we sit at its core. That is how you can how the whole like the U.S. is the aggressor in this situation can even can make any kind of sense. Ask among even liberals, was the U.S. responsible for a lot of the groundwork that led to 9-11? The answer is yes. I'm saying as someone who lived through Iraq and 9-11 and read a lot of those books, like, it's a thing. It happened. We did it. Even that uh, wishy-washy, dreamy Charlie Wilson's war, which glossed over a shit ton. That was a mainstream Hollywood movie where everyone's going, well, yeah, it was good we fought Russia, we fought Russia through Afghanistan, but we left a country in shambles and we were blamed for it. And that's not incorrect. Remember people talking about it's like we have to go fight terrorism and how now in retrospect we just like, wow, what a ridiculous concept. We're going to go fight like an emotion. We're going to fight the concept of fear. Yeah, that's moralizing your war. Why did 9-11 happen? Because evil Muslims hate that we have Xbox? Because that was unironically the fucking reason given to us that I had to hear and absorb as a 10-year-old. And... 
it's taken me a while to shake that because that's just kind of how it works. You can't just like grow up in a thing and then just, Oh, I'll just simply turn against all of my internalized beliefs. Like it takes some effort, takes some thinking and it's not a fun process. Or did nine 11 happen because a chain of events, uh, started by like us and Western meddling anti, especially anti-communist. Like you can look right back to like stuff we did in an attempt to fuck with the USSR that ended up creating our problems in the future. Wow. There's a lot of them. Uh, it like led to the U S funding and supporting Osama bin Laden who in turn, if why did we like Bin Laden? Because Bin Laden didn't like the USSR, I think. Because like you've seen headlines floating around of newspapers from the 70s, like our new cool guy, Bin Laden, uh, <laughs> who then eventually get convinces a bunch of who's it, Saudi Arabians to get on a plane and fly into the World Trade Center. Like, how much of that has to do with people from a region simply being evil demon gremlins? The bad people, they're so bad, they eventually just do even more bad things. So really, we should bomb them harder so they can never get the planes off the ground. I don't know what the fuck, like, conclusion you're supposed to draw from this. So I want to go to the Israel-Palestine conflict now. And huge caveat, I am not saying that these are the same. I am not saying that Palestine is the same as the Donbass region. I am not saying that Russia and Israel, like, don't draw direct comparisons here. The thing that I'm trying to compare is the way the information was presented to us, like Dragger was going for for a second ago. 10 years ago, I don't even know how long ago, a while ago, if you went back and said, I support Palestine, and you can find examples of, like, celebrities, I don't know, people getting canceled uh, <laughs> for, for supporting the Palestinians, uh, it was seen as, oh, if you support Palestine, you support the terrorist zone who hates the Jewish zone, like, this conflict is terrorists versus Jews, Israel is on the side of Jews, and uh, Palestine is on the side of terrorists, and you gotta pick a side, and that's just how it was presented forever. Can you imagine the amount of times I'd be called a fucking, well, I wouldn't be called a fascist, I guess. I'd be called a, I don't know, Islamic extremist? Uh, if I was like, oh, yeah, pro-Palestine, uh, Israel should probably stop bombing this uh, refugee camp that has a population that is majority under 18. Isn't isn't that still, like, a true stat? Like, all the adults just get murdered, so it's like a nation of very, very young people because the life expectancy is just not there anymore? I don't know, but uh, I am at the tail end of being old enough that in a similar way uh, with how AIDS practically eradicated an entire generation of elder queer folk, I grew up not even having a lot of people to look towards because they died. It, like, that's just a weird... Th that's like, that's a consequence that is going to take years to build and handle. And it's cruel and awful. How would you have been portrayed if you supported homosexuality in the 80s? Oh, you love AIDS and want people to die of this disease that is morally brought upon by living improperly. Like, how many times do we have to watch the pattern happen, especially with U.S. media, before, like... Yes, there is a chance that this is the one time that the algorithmically pushed narrative, the narrative that doesn't get you marked as like, ah, you're a bad person on the internet or like delisted, whatever. Uh, how often does that turn out to be like wrong? <laughs> but maybe this is the one time that that's completely true. Maybe completely accurate. Like Putin and them have just been doing false flags up the ass. Uh, no one has died in East Ukraine. They just like put a bunch of people die in Russia. They just throw the corpses over and go, ah, it's an Eastern Ukraine. Whatever fucking fantasy they're making up. Maybe this is the one time where that's all completely true and I am just completely wrong. I should just be pro-Kiev. I should be supporting the, the same people who are like, you can't leave Ukraine and, uh, if you're a man between the ages of 18 I, I, and 16. Pepper, hang on, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> that you are you are now in an extreme response for dealing with what you have been going through in your 
both social media and historically what happened with you and your teaching job. Have we considered that Vietnam was right and we should have just kept bombing them until it's, they it's stopped? It's not even <laughs> that the pushed narrative is somehow correct and we should be blindly supporting Kiev. It can both be true that we're doing a shitload of propaganda and erasing certain things we shouldn't be, and Russia did a crazy propaganda job. Both can be true. The reason I continue to draw parallels to when two giant, moneyed, multi-billion dollar corporations in the U.S. have legal fights, none of it is based in anything good. There is no good party when Apple and Epic Games go to court. It's not about any of us. The same thing can be true here, and it can also be true that, well, you know what? Uh, no one in Ukraine wanted to be invaded or murdered, and it doesn't matter how much U.S. propaganda is there. The way the chips fell is the way the chips fell. That's really about where I'm at. Uh, this is meant to add to your same point, but like, yeah, not even the opposite direction, just add to your point. It is also entirely true that what I am talking about did happen. Like, there, oh, Minsk agreements, like this chain of events, yeah, that, that kind of holds true. And morally, Vladimir Putin is using it as a cover to do whatever he wants to do. Not even, not even morally, uh, immorally. It's just strategic. I mean, uh, yeah. Why from, wouldn't a... a crazy sociopathic state power use something like that just yeah. the way the united states has before i'm saying yeah the idea that putin is not is a bad guy and all the things i just said are not like mutually exclusive like one does not disprove or prove the other it just gives material reasons justifications to do stuff that like for instance are politically very popular in Russia. This is a very politically popular move that is happening right now on behalf of their president. And if you want to, if, if reasons Putin would do this that aren't, that can go along with Putin being bad, hmm, he wants to stay in office. Let's make a move that will keep me in office. Uh, like, you see what I mean? Like, if Gosh, we're looking for fucking we have reasons discussions to do this. about that uh, fucking 14 years ago, don't change horse midstream. We kept killing fucking Iraqis to re-elect Bush too. That's an overgross simplification, but that was a fucking narrative I lived through, and you lived through, and every other American lived through. Trump was thinking about Iran, maybe? <laughs> oh, God. It I only say these things to point out just how gross of an oversimplification it is to say, war happened because Putin bad. Yes. You can't just look at it like this, because then the reaction is, oh, and Kiev, Ukraine, good. Uh, I want to briefly, I want to engage in the moral argument for a second and give further examples as to why it is uh, pointless and just kind of leads us all into nothing productive. If we want to talk about morally wrong things being done, did you know <laughs> that in eastern Ukraine, it has been, uh, there are people have been prosecuted, not just been made legal, but people have been arrested for speaking Russian in certain contexts. Imagine if in Florida, it was illegal to speak Spanish, and we arrested people for speaking Spanish. Imagine that when people are trying to flee a conflict zone, you are holding them up at the border to do a draft, or because they're brown, or because they're a foreign student. Imagine. <laughs> we don't have to. And by the way, those are three things that factually have happened and are not good. To anyone that would 
dare fucking tell me, well, if the U.S. were invaded, then you you should be happy to be drafted. <laughs> Fuck no. I reject any goddamn human or group of humans on Earth that tell me what I have to die for. My entire family history on both sides in like four different notable regions throughout the earth. The only reason I am here is because four different regions of my family got the fuck out of bad situations and immigrated somewhere else. Demanding someone stay and fight and risk their life for an arbitrary border around some land on this planet. I have respect for anyone that believes and is willing to do that. And they have my support. Every single Ukrainian that chooses not to leave, uh, holy shit, you're doing something I would never do. But I would also never in a million years tell someone that you have to die for me. Ever. I can't. That's not right. How else are we supposed to protect the fatherland? That is the other response I get from people who just don't look into the thing but want to feel very comfortable, like, cheering on a conflict, it seems. The first one is, you're either with us or you're with the terrorists. And then if you point out anything, the response then becomes, well, how else are we supposed to protect the fatherland? Which I'm saying, uh, like, I, I word it that way because, it, one, is accurate to what they're saying, and two, it's like a very fascist thing to say, like, actually. If your concern is, well, it's okay that they do the draft because they obviously need to go and fight this war to protect the fatherland. Protecting the fatherland is not questionable. You are not allowed to go, should we be protect? Do we, couldn't they just like go to Poland? No, we must protect the fatherland. Civilians must be drafted. Uh, you must keep your country ethnically pure, I guess, because that shit's going on. Uh, like and that it's is also, it's straight up again, sexist too. Males aged still- 18 to 60. We're, what, we're just letting that go? Oh, well, it's different there. Oh, but they're like us. Well, which is it? I do appreciate people who then say, yeah, well, who at least take it to the logic of, uh, yeah, if the people who are, if you are forcing people who are attempting to flee the country and just like shove a gun in their hand and then throw them at a Russian soldier who is like a trained combatant, from a purely tactical perspective, I disagree with the fucking draft. Well, and then there's the aspect, too, of uh, the Western media is pushing this narrative of evil Russian soldiers. And what the a lot of things I see that seem to be sourced directly from Ukraine is they aren't trained. A lot of Russian soldiers were lied to to go into this conflict or like they thought it was a training exercise or they're very green. If you are in the military, in anyone's military, and you are in another country's grounds with a gun in your hands, it doesn't matter how coerced you were to get to that point you are where perhaps you should not be. Not perhaps, you should not be there. But at the same time, that does not make that individual straight up irredeemably evil. How many American soldiers have we since learned about that they feel lied to and betrayed because they're like, well, I signed up because I did believe in our country and our purpose, and I did want to stop an evil dictator. And then it was, 
uh, we're, we're shooting civilians. War is always morally wrong because war is going to someone's country to kill them. <laughs> it's always morally wrong. There's never a situation where it's like, oh, morally, it is correct to go over and uh, murder this person. Like, if you want to get any moral level, killing a Nazi is still like you're killing a human. Technically, it's immoral. Nobody fucking brings that up, though, do they? <laughs> like, we, we all seem to be able to get past our, like, our, our weird moral quandaries in certain situations. I, like I Libya, have said Syria, many times <laughs> on this show, I am going to celebrate many times when a lot of billionaire and otherwise people who have done factually awful, harmful things, I'm going to cheer when they die. And that is just as true today. But if you were to put a Nazi in front of me and a gun in my hand, I'm still a pacifist. I I can't like just in front of me kill a bad i don't want to i reject it i won't do it i don't believe in killing people it's one thing if you are in a conflict and your reaction is oh if i don't do something right now this motherfucker is immediately going to kill me i remove any judgment from those situations because that's fight or flight but as soon as you get into i'm going to consciously think about pulling a trigger I can't, I, that's not me. I can't do that. I can't demand it of anyone. And I get really upset when other people demand I'm okay killing people. It comes down to who you're willing to make exceptions for in your own mind. And I think that comes down to like, that's also an ingredient as to why people are so upset. I think a lot of Americans are resistant to any news, like on this topic that goes against what their, uh, what the narrative is in their head or the, which is usually the mainstream narrative fed to them by every media source and every government official like it infringes upon their ability to enjoy what in their opinion if you follow that that like worldview i guess is like a clean movie style like book war they want a clear side to root for and the suggestion that it might be more complicated than that it makes them furious because that would make them kind of like a ghoul <laughs> if they're like fucking retweeting death stats like it's a Fortnite kill count that might make you kind of a ghoul if it isn't a, a super clear cut evil versus good kind of conflict uh, another one that i want to call out because it has been on our show before uh in talking about communism and especially in talking about the theory the historical stuff and like the scientific application of what we think would produce the society we want that allows the most freedom and advancement, uh, we have brought up people like Caleb Maupin. Caleb Maupin works for Russian state media. Uh, I was going through... For Russia Today, specifically. Uh, yes. So I was going through and reading a bunch of his stuff because I wanted to find out why uh, other bread tubers and everyone else has such vitriolic, vitriolic hatred for this guy. <laughs> People fucking hate and him. <laughs> I'm going through and reading his analysis, and I'm like, okay, it sounds like a Marxist reading of all of these situations. A lot of it made sense for what I'm reading right now, and if he really is a full-on Marxist and communist, then... Those things track. Those are consistent, whether regardless of how I feel about it. And then it gets to this Ukraine conflict, and all of a sudden it's thank God for Russia. And he works for Russian Times. And those are, as soon as that happens, and as soon as that became clear to me, that is a contradiction. Uh, one of the big things that we talk about and is a key to unlocking <laughs> The reading of what goes on in America is look for class con look for contradictions. Look for class contradictions. In this particular case, this is an information and propaganda contradiction. 
if you're really, really, really following the theory, well, that means there is a certain critique of power structures that must always be in place. So to immediately go, thank God for Russia, that is too big of a contradiction. I cannot trust anyone that is under Russian state media in this conflict. It is impossible. The theory basis for this is your definition of imperialism, not your de- the the Leninist definition of imperialism, because like Lenin was is the guy who like in scientific socialism is is looked upon as like the authority on this. He's the guy who has the the best take in a lot of people's opinions. And I can't say that I like I'm still working on this. I am not yet ready to th- to make judgments, but I'm at the point where I I am in the 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 place <clears throat> where I am. Wanting to inject skepticism because I am highly skeptical. If you believe the Russian line, if you believe that people in the East, the LPR and DPR, need protected, uh, that West Ukraine is a right-wing regime that has a shit ton of lot Nazi influence, then the decision of Russia to come in, protect those two, and as they, as Russia is saying, denazify the West, uh, becomes kind of becomes uh it becomes like if you follow that through you will end up saying thank god for russia because you then logically believe oh well they're helping out the lpr and dpr they're gonna go into kiev they're gonna fuck up their military until they agree to sign whatever like stop fucking with the dpr and lpr just the minsk accords again like hey we're gonna do this take them under russian fed control blah blah kind of like what happened with uh crimea and then if they then leave and that is what happens uh yeah, I, I can understand how someone would say thank God for Russia. But that's but not I don't know yet. <laughs> not only I don't do know we not know, but the foundation of the invasion is already suspect. And then you have in Russia right now, uh what, up to fifteen years punishable for uh saying anything against the conflict. Uh how many protesters have been arrested so far? Like When did Chelsea Manning get out of jail? <laughs> oh yeah. But like <sighs> The other key point it's is... It's not that it's good when Russia does it. It's I just... We got to fucking judge people, like, not against the thing of perfection. You have to at least correct. be able to judge them against your own shitty country. Or should I say, the biggest empire in the history of the universe. Yeah. Sorry, I skipped over the definition of imperialism thing. So, this <laughs> has been taken as, like, one empire versus another. And if you inter- interpret imperialism just as, like, country, big country does something to small country, th- uh, then, yes, it would look like two imperialist... Uh, powers just kind of fighting at each other and it's like ah no one wins because imperialism is bad regardless the argument is that you can't use your big empire to beat smaller empires because that's not how it works you can't have oh yeah we have the two global empires (laughs) going The U.S. winning in this situation, not winning, whatever the fuck, the U.S. taking over the entire globe and being the one singular economy, the one singular way that you can use currency or even interact with the global economy, that would be bad. That would, in fact, arguably be worse than Russia existing as some kind of power and the U.S. existing as its current imperialist state. Things that are happening that are imperialist being done to Russia, the economic aspect of it is extremely important for it to be imperialism, like monopoly capitalism, the consolidation of money into fewer and fewer hands, fewer and fewer businesses. We heard about Russian turnstiles getting like stopping working because Apple Pay and Google Pay just like was turned off in Russia. Like you tweeted that thing, right? Yep. 
So how come we don't take the take of, wow, some private oligarchs in the U.S. can just fuck up an economy in a foreign nation for random civilians and proletarians that they've never met and will never meet? Uh, a bunch of artists I follow just happened, and this is in part because of my friend who visited there, but I've gotten to follow a bunch of Ukrainian and Russian artists that are wonderful and magnificent. And when PayPal shut down, how many times in the United States, just because of our fucked up thing, people can't open bank accounts or get credit cards, but they can open a PayPal account. And PayPal Unless has you managed do porn, to then you can't do PayPal. all of bank regulations while effectively being a fucking bank. And then you get, that's the only way that person has to receive and spend money, and then their account gets locked out. And they have no method of recourse because technically they checked that box that says they said yes to arbitration and PayPal found that they were in the wrong. Good luck. Fuck off. So then you have a private company, which, by the way, PayPal and all of that was founded and headed by a bunch of uh, shitty religious conservative Christian people who certainly have a war against uh, queerness and adult and impure thoughts in general. Elon Musk. PayPal was Elon Musk, too. There were four of them, but yes. Um, so they just, on their own, shut that off in Russia. And one of the artists basically says, I'm just one person in my little apartment, and you just cut off every means for me to live. I'm not, I, I, as that person as an individual cannot fight the Russian government. So what, what positive? Everyone back home will tell you, it's like, oh, well, sanctions will put pressure on them to make the people force a change in the upper management. And what does, what, what's kind of the statistical consequence of sanctions most of the time? It hurts the lower and middle class people and those in charge for the most part, tend to be fine unless it's one of those rare cases where there's a revolution. So, like, where it there's this urge, there's this need to say it's like, oh, there has to be consequences for this action. This e they invaded another fucking country. There should be consequences. But why is a lot of people moralize and say, ah, well, that is how it is. We chose to take that action, and now a regular Russian citizen... How else are we supposed to protect the fatherland? A regular Russian citizen is now hurt, and they're not the only one. There are a lot of them. And then if they go and protest, they risk getting... Uh, being subjected to violence, getting arrested, both or worse. So, like... it's It, it suddenly is, well... Our country didn't invade, so that's not our problem. There's just this inhuman callousness to it. Uh, Russian Times, the United States branch of it, uh, recently just, like today, shut down and laid off most of its force. And there are a bunch of people going, wah, wah, sad. And I'm sitting there going, well, we're in America, and if those people are American citizens, then they're suddenly out of a job and don't have insurance, and we're still technically in a pandemic. So that's bad. Their families didn't consent to that. And if they're immigrants, what the fuck is going to happen to them? No one's flying in and out of Russia right now, so they don't have their job. Their visas are fucked. Now what? I'm not a free, spe ab free speech absolutionist by any means. In general, I am against the shutting down of uh, media sources. Like, I do not think One America News Network, like deserves to be around it like if it would just kind of like went away on its own accord like okay but the idea of the government coming in like we are now stopping your it's like that 
that seems creep. That's the kind of shit that we criticize China for doing. Like, why is it better to have fewer sources of information? Now, you got to go even farther outside of the U.S. to find any kind... Not that everything Russia today says is accurate and true, but fucking some of it is. You can't be like every single thing said by... That'd be like me saying every single thing said by CNN is 100% fake at all times. How about the common one? Every single thing said by Fox News is fake and a lie. No, it isn't. when it isn't. Uh... The, the brilliance of Fox News and all successful propaganda is it starts with the most nefarious thing possible. It starts with something that is technically correct. The U.S. thinks it doesn't have state media. Like, Americans all are like, ah, all of our <laughs> independent media sources. No, it's our like, media we do sources accurately... are directly owned by the oligarchs. <laughs> yeah, we accurately identify, oh, this is Russian state media, cool, we're going to take that with a grain of salt, whatever. But then you go to, oh, well, that's MSNBC. Like, of course we believe that. <laughs> it's like, come Let's on. Let's jump straight to, oh, Bloomberg. <laughs> Bloomberg News. You had a friend who was defending, like, oh, yes, this is a reputable thing. This is Bloomberg News. Washington Post, only, we obfuscate our state-owned media because it's not even that it's necessarily state-owned. It's just like capitalist-owned. Yes. There are two, the, the class divide, There, there is no proletarian news network. There, it just doesn't exist. So like the best you got are random motherfuckers on Twitter and YouTube just making videos in their basement. And then, ah, YouTube decided that you are spreading dangerous false misinformation, which even if, you, if you're spreading misinformation, yeah, they probably would label you. But if you're just like a pro-communist revolutionary, they might just go, ah, that's misinformation. You're a dangerous terrorist. Like the shit that has provedly happened and been done by the U.S. My, I only keep saying the U.S. that's where I live. <laughs> take on propaganda, and we found this with the Cambridge Analytica, all the Facebook stuff, all of Twitter, the Russian meddling, and the 2016 election, and it's that the information war not only has been going on, but is far more severe and advanced than any of us had realized, and that's while acknowledging what we have learned about Facebook and Cambridge Analytica and the rest. Uh, I personally, my realization was, you know, as we continue to say, no one is immune to propaganda. And I am a tech person and very interested in free and open exchange of information. And even I didn't realize where things are at right now. So what to me is going on in the United States propaganda side is this is a convenient way to have a coalescing around well these sources we clearly identify as spreading harmful propaganda and that is true they are and the nefariousness part of it is going but these other sources these are where you get your information from and these other sources that they're identifying have a long history of clear bias and sometimes in the washington post case or in fox news case being clearly owned by the ruling class. They're all billionaires who pay millionaires. So we're solidifying trust our propaganda, not theirs. That doesn't bring anything about the... This in no way is supporting Russia's invasion of Ukraine. This is the United States seizing an opportunity. 
You know what Leninist word that shit is? Social chauvinism. The preference <laughs> of one's own ruling class over another uh, country's ruling class. Supporting, defending the fatherland over someone but else's. as you said, it's so obfuscated here. This is where you get a lot of our peers that were heavily anti-Iraq war and the various Afghanistan things. And the rest are suddenly on the side of this one because it doesn't have a clear this is state media thing. We are not in agreement as a people in the United States on what's going on even with our own media. And that's our disadvantage. It's not like that, as far as I'm aware, in Russia. We have a unique situation here. Or at least unique is probably the wrong word, but this is what I've grown up with. This is what you have grown up with. So I am running out of time. I have to run away to my, my new work in a second. I'm trying to figure out, like, what the fuck? What summarizing statement is this? The summarizing uh, statement for me is as follows, and that's once the invasion began uh, and the, the war began, uh, that's, that was it. And anything that led to that is effectively immaterial right now while the fighting has exploded and there's even more death going on. Uh, There is an active invasion of another country. How we got there matters, but not to the fact that there are guns in civilians' hands trying to defend themselves. If I had to be forced to say what I want to have happen, what I want to have happen is for fucking Kiev or whoever to sign whatever they have to sign, stop bombing whatever part of the country they were bombing, or vice versa, and Russia to go home. Because that would be like an end to the conflict, right? Does does that not sound like... A best case, because what's the other one? Nuclear war breaks out. Like I want Russia to withdraw, and I want the United States to, if they're going, everyone involved. I want an agreement where Russia and the rest, Russia, China, and the rest of the world goes, ah, we fucked up. Let's actually support and create this sovereign nation. No, they will not be allowed to go in NATO. That is part of the whole problem of this whole thing. Oh, uh. Making a deal on the gas and natural resources in Ukraine with Russia should, like, they can do that and also make a deal with the EU. Russia is also not immune from these types of pressures. Russia puts pressures on countries that do trade with Western nations because of things like this. Both both weaponize their force and that it's coercion and it's violent coercion. I am always against that. I think I have like the closest thing I can get to a summarizing statement, which is which is like kind of not, Pepper. What at what point will you be able to draw a conclusion? Because right now I am intentionally not uh, things that. How will we ever know? Is what I have written in my notes, and like you basically have to look at: Does Russia move into Ukraine and start colonies? Do they take over Kiev and like, all right, this is now Russia town? Do they start outsourcing labor and extracting their resources? Are they start like waging economic warfare on uh, Ukraine to make sure that they are like always forced to heal to whatever Russian business interests are? Does or and or does uh, Russia beat up the Ukrainian military, leave troops in the separatist regions, uh, exit West Ukraine, and then stop a har- uh, hot war after signing whatever treaties get signed? Because, ooh, I know even less about Georgia 
the country, the, yes. the country of Georgia, because in 2008, kind of sort of the same, not the same thing, a similar thing happened. Separatist regions in Georgia, they claim they're being attacked by the rest of Georgia. Russia moves in, they say, to stop that. And since then, I do not think, or from what I have seen, it does not look like they redrew the Russia map to just whoop, put Georgia in there. And, like, they have those two separate regions, the autonomous little zones, they still exist, and... The rest of Georgia just kept being the rest of Georgia, as far as I can see. Not Except for the fallout of the hot war that happened. And yes, hundreds of people died. It doesn't seem like Russia did a imperialist expansionist into Georgia thing. I, I don't even... I have not had the time to even get a cursory glance at what's what happened there and what that was. I have... What will happen in Ukraine? Because if you are claiming that this is purely Russian imperialist expansion, it will continue in the way that can imperialism continues. In the way when the U.S. absorbs territories, we treat them. Look at how we treat Puerto Rico. <laughs> Look at how we treat, oh God. Look at how badly we treat Haiti for daring to want to be their own shit. Through my life, I have had to come to the slow and gradual realizations that no, everyone who lives in Cuba is not evil. Yes, the Castro regime in Cuba was an improvement materially for Cubans over the Batista regime. Chile, Pinochet, was bad, and a bad move by the U.S. to put him in charge as their dictator. <laughs> the Vietnamese, justified in their request for independence from France. If I said that in the 70s, there's a good chance I'd get my ass kicked, because there was no internet, so I'd have to be telling someone this in person. I don't know what's going to happen with this conflict. I just look at the pattern and go, okay, if the LPR and DPR are separatist pro-communist regimes trying to become their own little nations, this is how we would respond to it. This is also how we would respond if it's Russia decided to do some evil and we have to go fight them. The response is indistinguishable, thus I have a hard time drawing conclusions. And the other part that's so nefarious about it is the selection bias of people see you, me, others going. At a high level, we're being called whataboutists. And that's I saw a just, meme that whataboutism was invented by communists. I'm like, oh, I've heard everything negative in the whole world was invented by communists. <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you being whataboutist? Russia's invading. Well... No one challenges the what about the and we it, you know we're we're circling again. It's like you eventually we'll gotta ask Iraq stuff. what about Libya? What about Syria? You can't just go. You're not allowed to talk about it. No, you gotta fucking actually reckon with this shit. We've been doing this forever. What about? <laughs> it's like yeah, I'm a murderer, but what about it? Like well, you gotta fucking like take a look at it and actually deal with that. Then maybe you can do this whole what aboutism claim nonsense. You just don't want to fucking look at it. You want to have your fun time. Oh, fucking Zelensky is the same as Captain America. Let's make some meme edits and get retweets. 
sorry it messes with your ability to have a fun time on Twitter dunking on people. People are fucking dying. Like, real shit is happening, and you can look at the observable pattern of U.S. foreign policy and how it encourages shit like this to happen over and over and over again. It's gonna happen again because they're not the last country in the world, and we're gonna try to bully somebody else to join NATO or somebody else to sign some fucking uh, treaty or agreement that would sign over the keys to their entire economy to the Western Empire. That's what an empire is. I don't know if I lost Dragor. <laughs> no, I I don't have... It, it, to a certain extent, this whole thing and that we're talking about this, I am I am glad to have these conversations with people, but there is a certain degree of... I'm of two minds. It's the internet, and no one has to listen to anything we say. And on the flip side, uh, if... In my function of doing this, I have spread harmful misinformation and or propaganda. Like, that is the opposite of what I intend. And at some point, and not at some point, I have been victim of propaganda, and I will be again. And Pepper, you have been victim of propaganda, and you will be again. And every Correct. single person in this chat and on this server and every single person who listens to anything we say at some point has been victim of propaganda and will be again. That is really my only point in the whole thing because I, I, I don't know how to break down and analyze Russian propaganda. I don't know how to break down and analyze Ukrainian propaganda. I don't even really know how to break down and analyze the Palestine and Israel conflict propaganda because you know if i were to say ah uh palestine is 100 percent pure and correct and palestinians are only ever good that is likely also to be wrong and they are the victims in this conflict it it's this every every time the 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 drums of war begin nuance goes out the window by design and I cannot, in good conscience, allow any erasure of my home country's ability to use propaganda to the detriment of human beings. I can't let it slide, even when the, the quote-unquote side we're on needs to help Ukraine. Yeah, it's called being principled and not just letting your opinions change because uh, the... The situation has changed, or like the oh, the, this guy's the bad guy now, and we're now the like things stay true, <laughs> Th things that are true stay true, even if it's like a different person doing it. Yeah, it's not it's not whataboutism if you're just asking things to be judged on a scale on like on a scale grading curve, however you want to say that makes any kind of sense. If we're going to judge people against the standard of perfection and then judge the U.S. against a different standard. You're fucking up. Agreed. I am super out of time now. Yeah. Uh, solidarity with all of the people who are uh, have no power over the situation yet are suffering, which is most of the proletarians in both Russia, East Ukraine, West Ukraine, United and States. Jesus, all the freaking like the, well, <laughs> all of the people who are having to now absorb tons and tons of refugees because this conflict is happening in the first place. Yeah. Uh, Fucking good luck, everybody, and we hope you hope you survive. Yeah. Uh, good luck to the people of Ukraine. Good luck to the Russian 
protesters and the people that are using because they don't have the type of legal free speech that we do so to take to the streets is scary and we're gonna learn that's the worst part about it we're gonna continue to learn how much worse this whole thing is and it's only gonna happen later all right goodbye everybody goodbye